Hello and welcome to the Stories of Asia podcast. In this podcast, we bring stories from the workplace, businesses and communities to teach a lesson, share perspectives and inspire your journey. My name is Andrew Toh and I'm your host of this podcast. In this first season, we would like to talk about some of the biggest struggles our guests have faced. And what's interesting about this episode is that I have Richard Sia over here, who is a local business owner in Singapore. He faced business problems um, due to COVID-19 and when, when it struck, um, um, when, when it happened this year. And I would like to invite him to share with us a bit more about some of the, of the struggles that he faced. So Richard, thank you so much for joining me in this podcast. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, hello to all podcast listeners. I'm Richard Xia, CEO of Novership. And Novership is basically an auction marketplace for limited edition sneakers and streetwear. And uh, you know, our focus is really uh, you know, in the various markets of Asia, excluding China. So that's, that's, what, I'm, uh, that's what we currently do. So tell me more about uh, what happened um, as you... As, uh, okay, because COVID-19 happened this year and it has impacted every business on the planet, right? And what, what, was, how, what was actually really the biggest struggle that you face in, in your business? Uh, I think for us, uh, yeah, so you know, we, we started this company uh, not, not too long ago, uh, two to three years ago. Uh, in fact, that this is my first actual job after graduation. Mm. And, uh, you know, Fortunately, we have the support of many customers. That's why we, we grew very fast. And actually, originally, we planned to continue our uh, expansion, our rapid expansion this year, at the start of this year. In March, we wanted to expand to at least two to three more markets, uh, as well as start our fundraising for Series A at the same time. Uh, but, you know, lo and behold, uh, towards the end of March, Two weeks into our expansion plan, our campaign, uh, COVID hit and it changed everything. I think how, how it affected e-commerce players like us, especially for cross-border players like us uh, that is into multiple markets in the region, is that the logistics disruption was very heavy at the start. So to give an example, uh, we originally planned to go into Malaysia and Indonesia heavily, but Indonesia and Malaysia uh, cross-border logistics was almost entirely disrupted. I mean, you could ship inside, but it's also uh, we got informed by our logistics provider that the authorities over there will not be accepting any parcels into the country in an effort to control for the, the, uh, the, the influx of the virus. So for us, that means that even if customers were to make payments on our website uh, to buy something from a merchant on our platform, uh, we are unable to ship into that country. So to ensure customer satisfaction, we have to close off our routes into Malaysia, Indonesia, and multiple various other countries uh, in, in, in within those three months. And to make the, uh, to make the whole thing worse, right, uh, not only could we not guarantee that we can continue serving our overseas customers, we could also not guarantee that we can continue operating in our HQ in Singapore. So if, if everyone remembered, uh, in the three months between March to June, or end of June, uh, Singapore government had very strict regulations and rules for what businesses can remain open. 
uh, and in the in those three months, essentially only the essential uh, only the businesses with essential license could continue operating. So in April, we actually had quite a lot of struggle because it was very uh, we had no idea what could be considered as essential and what could not. So we number nonetheless we adapted very quickly, and we registered for our essential license. And it was only in uh, I think the second half of April that we we were clear that we were able to secure essential license. So that only after that we it became a lot clearer for us that we could at least keep our volume in Singapore, mm. even though we could no no longer serve all of our overseas markets. Okay. So, so in in those so two months leading up to leading up to that clarification, it was extremely extremely stressful for us because we, we weren't even sure if we could continue running our business to begin with. How long was that stressful period for? Was it like uh, because it hit in March and then you got a license in April? So yeah, it, actually, no, it only only towards the end of April. So one thing is one thing to get the license, but it's another thing to know if. Know, if there's there's going to be even more uncertainty in, in the future, because I think during that period of time, we what we saw was that even the government didn't know what's coming next. So they had one rule, and then they change it the next week, and then they change it the next the following week. So it keeps on going back and forth. And I think the bigger thing is that we weren't we weren't sure how 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 the entire world economy would fare. So if we do go into a very serious economic crisis, then I think it will impact everyone's business. So these are the against the backdrop of uh against the backdrop of what we were facing back then. So the length of the uncertainty lasted for, you know, the extremely stressful period lasted for two months. It also coincides with the time that all of us have to work from home and we are isolated from everyone else in the company. Uh, okay, sounds like a triple, quadruple whammy, you know. Uh, business was going down okay but at the same time there is at least some uh, tailwind which is people start to shop online and there is some hope that uh, governments are you know calling businesses to apply for uh, essential non-essential services um, and okay so just to summarize you your business was in growth mode you are trying to raise money um, you had ambitious growth plans and then COVID-19 hit um, markets closed down, logistics closed down, uh, people had to work from home, and, and you didn't even know whether you could even operate. How did you personally feel um, at, at the moment? Tell, tell us how you, know, how it, uh, how you felt at the start. Um, you know, when this hit us at the start, to be honest, I had the exact same reaction as uh, President Trump. I... No, okay, not not in the sense that it was a normal flu. I knew it was something more serious than that, but I thought it's something that will will get away. That means because I mean the government. Uh, for me, what I saw was that the governments already saw how how serious it became in China. So I expected that they will be able to control it, but never in my wildest dream will it become as bad as it is now. So that's that's something that I I, I did not see. Uh, but you know, when when it became more serious as the days went by, uh, you know, if you turn on the news during that period of time, every day is bad news, more and more bad news, more and more bad news. Hmm. So it became very clear to me in half a month into the whole thing, uh, half a half a month into the lockdown, that it was going to be more serious than I originally expected. So 
that that was really the the period of time where it was the most stressful for me, because I I have no idea how it will go. It's and it's, it, it 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 was beyond my wildest expectation. So I did not expect this to be that bad at all. So that was that was that was the main thing for me. Mm. So your business was at stake if you know if uh, if things don't change, then um, your business would fail. But you had a choice. You could do something. What did you thought of doing besides, uh, you know, looking for the government for help? Okay. So even I think this is uh, this the the credit doesn't go go to me. The credit actually goes to my colleagues in the company, mm-hmm. especially our operation staff. Uh, so that was a period of time with a lot of uncertainty. There were no guidelines, not as much guidelines as we have right now. So uh, credit goes to my business partner. Uh, co-founder, C, uh, COO, Chris, he actually immediately went into overdrive and he, uh, with consultation with the rest of the operation staff, he set up the guidelines himself. And you know, we started limiting how many staff we can have in our ops office. Uh, we started drawing uh, social distancing marks in the office. We started limiting how many people can come in, how many people can go out, how we are going to keep our staff safe while continue serving our uh, our customers in a safe and secure environment. So within two weeks, we actually, uh, yeah, so the ops team actually reorganized the entire ops process. And then with this in a proposal form, uh, they sent in to the government. And then uh, by the end of April, we knew that we were able to continue operating. So I think this, yeah, you know, I, I, I was I was in full on full blown panic mode, but fortunately the operation staff were able to live up to expectation, and mm. then you know uh, the rest is history. Mm. And okay, so and then what happened after that? How how did you respond to that? So after uh, after we got after we got the essential license, uh, we knew that we can continue operating. Mm. Uh, so that was a that was that was a time where we everyone was like, wow, okay, at least we are past the worst. Right then, we are you know, uh, next up. I I started spring to action. Mm-hmm. I started spring to action. I I look at the overall environment, the economic environment, and started doing some planning. How can we? Con- I think the the main theme of that plan was, how can we be cautiously optimistic under this kind of environment? Because ultimately, the the goal is still to number one, to recover to our pre-COVID uh, momentum. Number two. To continue growing from there, we need to look out for opportunities. So one of the things we uh, thought of doing is uh, we might need to, so we need to do two plans. One is a more optimistic plan in case things recover faster than we expect. And one is a less optimistic plan where we continue growing but not as a, at a, not at a, as fast rate as we originally planned for. So we need to have two plans all, all in place. And within one to two weeks, I got ready the plan. Uh, we discussed with the, all the rest of the senior managers, as well as my co-founder. Uh, no, everyone gave the green light. Then with that, with that in understanding, we decided to go with the more optimistic plan until, uh, until we hit something else, until we hit obstacle. But fortunately, that never happened. Mm. And uh, in July, uh, in June, we actually already recovered to above pre-COVID level, just above pre-COVID level, 
and in July, we saw our first major spurt of growth. Uh, we saw our volume almost double. Because of online shopping, because people are coming online to get the stuff. Yeah, and to be honest, you know, to be honest to everyone, uh, I knew I knew we were con- we were able to at least operate our business and we can grow cautiously, optimistically, but I didn't expect the growth rate to ramp up so quickly. So what you mentioned just now, that was what I came up with after I looked into the past three months, past few months, and I okay, okay, the reason why we were able to grow so fast is because of reason one, two, three. But at that point in time, when we were in the heat of moment, it didn't occur to me that that was the reason. How, how did this entire experience transform your business? I, I honestly think that um, because you know, I, I monitor our uh, you know, platform metrics, our business metrics, almost every single day. <laughs> I look at them morning to night. And uh, I think one thing that it really did for us was that uh, one thing I learned from, from this whole episode is, uh, number one, you must be, you must be well prepared to take advantage of opportunities. And you must also be well prepared to uh, to really dis- to, to really fight against all these risks that they may happen, may or may not happen. So when this when this thing when this thing happened, our ops team was able to quickly spring to action and then make sure that we don't fail because of this risk. And then subsequently I, I know the rest of the team also did their job in coming up with a plan for us to seize upon the opportunity of, uh, of, of, this, of this crisis. So uh, one thing, I think one, one main thing it did for us was it taught us the, you know, really, really made our business a lot more resilient. This is probably the first major crisis that we faced hmm. uh, as a business, but also, you know, along with the rest of the country. So it, when I look at the metrics, we are efficient, a lot more efficient on all metrics uh, across the board. What, what do you mean by efficient? Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Because basically, during the three months, we have to do a lot more with less. So, mm-hmm. obviously, if we look at the total volume, it went down. But we also have less operational staff working in the warehouse at the same time. Mm-hmm. In fact, our ops manpower uh, in warehouse was probably down by 70 to 80% because of the manpower limitations that we have to abide by. So we have to do maybe 80% of our past volume, but only with one-fifth the manpower. That means we have, to, we have to work intensely in terms of making our workflow more efficient, uh, having more automation, uh, you know, making sure that a lot of things are done digitally rather than everyone uh, being in the office. So that, that is really a test of how can we continue thriving in this kind of environment. So we have to do a lot, uh, a lot more with less. And the second thing was that uh, we have a budget for every single year. But this year, what's special about this year was that everything, all the plans that we had, all the plans that we did last year have to be scrapped. And that means that we need to make sure that our budget can last us for a lot longer than we originally expected while continue growing. So that is the real challenge. We need to do, we need to continue growing with a lot less budget. How can we do that? Then we need to think, we need to brainstorm. Uh, what can we do to make customers come back? What can we do to make new customers come in? Okay, so in, so in sum, this crisis has, made, has transformed your business to become more efficient, more labor efficient, even more capital efficient as well. Exactly. 
Okay, so what are you looking forward to now, right now in your business, uh, in, in, in terms of growth plans, and how do you feel about the future right now? So when I, when I look back from now uh, to really you know, just uh, in, in end of June, just barely coming out from COVID alive, uh, it's, it's really a very, very big difference. Like when I look, at, look back, I, I, can't, I can't help but feel that it feels like a long time ago, but actually it's, it has only been a few months. Uh, but from then until now, I think our business has grown from strength to strength. We're a lot more resilient, like like what I mentioned just now. Our volume has more more than quadrupled uh, as of as of last month. So right now, uh, I think I'm a lot more optimistic. I think one thing that I'm really optimistic about, at least because you know that we're dealing with more luxurious stuff, we have not seen the demand drop a lot outside of uh, outside of uh, logistics disruption. In fact, we see the demand continue going up. So one thing I'm really optimistic about is that uh, I think Asia is probably less impacted by the in terms of economy. So I think we will continue growing and we will continue seeing where it takes us. Great, great, quite a great answer, Richard. You know, uh, in, in terms of struggles, uh, as many of us face the struggles in life, they tend to come when we least expect them. And they tend to come in uh, a very unexpected form as well. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't know how is it going to turn out. And we know that we're going to face another struggle ahead of us. So what, what would you do? How are you preparing yourself today for the next struggle that you will face in, in your business and in your life? Hmm. I think one of the things that I clearly learned from this crisis is never count on anything. I, I, know, I know a lot of uh, businesses and probably a lot of people are counting on the vaccination to come out as soon as possible. Mm. My advice would be to not count on that. You don't know how it's going to turn out. And even if it turns out well, you don't know how, uh, how long it will take for the vaccination to apply to all the population, especially to the, all the population in the world. Given that we know that uh, there is quite an anti-vaccination movement in the US and some other countries. So it may not go as smoothly as we expect. Never count on anything. Any, never count on any specific incident to fix everything. It's not going to happen. And based on that, uh, I think it's important uh, as individual or as business to come out with multiple plans. And my take on this, uh, how we do it is usually we'll come up with three plans. The optimistic plan, the middle road, as well as the worst-case scenario. And so we have something prepared for all scenarios. So basically, you're well-prepared for it and you won't be caught off guard or in a panic mode anymore because you can basically shift gears whenever you uh, think that you, whenever you think the situation is most appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And you know, for me, I think for small businesses like us that's fast-growing, startups like us, uh, really the number one thing is to survive. So when crisis hit again, it can hit us from various directions, from various angles. But I think us as founders uh, of, uh, or business owners need to keep our mind firm. Because if you start panicking, then the rest of the team will panic. And that is no good for everyone. So it's really to stay calm, uh, keep firm, and really look at the situation and just go accordingly. How do you keep your mind firm and how, how would you stay calm? Uh, in in uh, high pressure, stressful, acute situations. So I think one thing one thing that uh, attributed uh, okay one one thing I will attribute to to really contributing to a lot of my stress in early days was 
so I have a habit. Uh, I still do. I used to have a habit of checking World News Reddit and looking at World News every every morning, and all I see is bad news. <laughs> then it it occurred to me, you know, like you no, know, all these bad news are happening, but you no, know, my daily life is not as bad as the World News make it out to be. So my advice is, I I realized well, you no, know, there was a certain disconnection here, <laughs> and then it occurred to me that. Uh, just because all the bad news is coming out, it doesn't mean that you no know, everything is the end of the world. Because what what really sells is the uh, sensationalism in journalism uh, in in in, in new world news right now. So I think one thing I forced myself to do for the for for the sake of my sanity was I I no longer look at the world news every day. I still do once in a while, but I don't look at it every day. And after I I did that, I'm I'm no longer as stressed out as before. Wow. So it's great that you realize and you could see that, you know, those news portals are actually a business by itself and they sell on fear. These journalists, they need to, they need to sell fear. I mean, it, this is what drives all the clicks. And their yeah. end of the day, their their job is to drive more clicks, more views to their news. So it's just what they do. I still consume the news. If the yeah. news are bad, it doesn't mean it's not happening. It it, it just means that they selectively reported the bad news. I still look at the world news. Mm-hmm. But I look at it uh, with a much lesser frequency. I yeah. pay more attention to what is actually happening next to me, the people around me, the mm. colleagues around me. Mm. I pay more attention to them. Right. Okay. That's powerful. So, in summary, don't count on just the vaccine hope or any single event, external event, because that's not going to be totally reliable. It may be hidden assumptions. Uh, it may not play out as well or as um, it, it may not just play out as, as well as you think so rather you should count on your plans and make good plans to hedge the, against any unexpected uh, future shocks have a best case mid case and worst case scenario so I, I wanted to say something uh, maybe it's, it's a bit very a bit too realistic uh, but I also think that this is something that I constantly remind myself and that is uh, you know I, I'm, I'm 29 now. I've lived for 29 years. Uh, you can ask yourself this. When have you witnessed any miracles happen in your life? Outside of your hard work and you able to change your direction. If you, if you have not witnessed any major miracles happening, then it's not going to happen. You, you just have to count on yourself. Yeah, so that's my, that's my advice. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, for sharing so much uh, about your uh, struggles in, in, in this uh, Stories of Asia podcast. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, do leave a comment below, rate and subscribe. And we hope that uh, you won't miss our next episode as we share more stories with you on the Stories of Asia podcast. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Andrew.